Wolf episode 298, as you may have surmised by getting the episode right right away. I am your host, Arthur Keese. <laughs> Anthony is hanging out with his significant other's mother? Family. I, family? Family. Yeah. Fam. Family came to visit. Yo, fam. And Anthony chose them over us. We know I will never where forgive his him. real priorities are. Yep. Um, which is, you know, to be fair probably where they should be i just want you guys to know that i will always choose you over everyone else in my life mm-hmm. i i have to do something before like this podcast goes any further xbox turn off <laughs> oh my god xbox yes yes we were watching transformers before we started recording and it's just starting like it's like the good like last half hour where it's just like robots just beating the shit and i'm like sitting with my back to it so all i see is like you guys looking past me it's just optimus (laughs) is gonna kick that bulldozer's ass (laughs) then that one robot like skateboards down the the highway or not skateboards uh rollerblades yeah I don't. I mean, it's giant talking <laughs> robot aliens. I, I don't know where your suspension of disbelief starts and ends. But you are wearing a helmet. Uh, anyway, uh, hi, Anthony is not here, which is too bad because it's the last show we're going to do before E3. Uh, but joining me is James Faulkner, a tired IGN boy. Oh yeah, God. <laughs> this, this week has been a special feel, a special kind of hell the week before e3 i find more stressful if less productive than the week of e3 typically. so a lot of it and the way i describe it to a coworker is it's at least for me a lot of pre-production without any sense of forward movement like it's a lot of i'm looking at spreadsheets and i'm, I'm going through the motions of getting stuff done emailing people but it's not like i'm like i want to be there i want to be like on the on set and getting stuff done and like making sure things are set up and the equipment's doing right and that we have everything set and ready to go and just sitting in the office being like, oh, God, what am I missing? What am I missing? It's You're trying to fix things before they break. Exactly. Well, and when you're dealing with video, too, and hi, I'm Matt Chandernay. I was going to get to when you. When you're dealing... <laughs> I just... I just Matt, Matt Chandernay was I didn't tired want, for different reasons. For very different reasons, but uh, also have to do with business. But, like, I, I don't know. I just I didn't want to have... I didn't want you to have to wait for, like, sure. a lull in the action. Um, Although, if they don't know who you are at this point... God, I don't. Somebody could be listening for the very first time, being like, "Who's the guy with the really weird voice?" If that's, and that's true, me. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I more than I can adequately express. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's like I wouldn't listen to this podcast. It's like E3 for you is like review season for me. Mm-hmm. It's just like waiting for things to happen and like preparing for the worst. Yeah, and then pretty yeah. consistently being impressed at how much worse things can get than what I <laughs> think it might be, and then sometimes they redeem themselves. Yes, sometimes stuff is just like, man, we're gonna get that three weeks early. Yeah, holy shit! Well, I then have a weekend. So James Faulkner, you do video at IGN, and mm-hmm. before E three, that's always like a giant clusterfuck because none of the games or their footage is ready until no. like the day before they and actually show it at E3 so you you like have to do a lot of planning for stuff that you haven't it, even seen yet. Sometimes it's not that way like there's B-roll for some stuff some stuff but it, it's again it's a lot of it's like unannounced so I'm like okay well I'll get, I'll get that the day before or mm-hmm. the, like after it's announced like some of it's like hey it's, it was announced 10 minutes ago here's your footage. And people yep. and, and publishers trust the press quotes even less than ever and mm-hmm. i can't really say that i blame them because there are certain elements of the quote press uh particularly in specific geographic regions that cannot keep a secret 
Like well, there's one thing here to an embargo, and well, sometimes domestic press as well. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, but usually, usually, like usually when stuff bad happens with it domestic be a press, fantasy that we can stick to our embargoes. But, yeah, you know, right, shit happens. Sometimes. Yeah, but you know, well, I mean, part of the problem is is that like you know when uh, uh, we have clients, Area Five, my company, we have clients now that are in the uh, computer security sector. And they and like we have to have like protocols for like how to deal with even just making videos for them. Like if we get stuff from them, I had to fill out like here are our security protocols for how we're going to handle, you know, footage moving back and it's like forth. like a chain of evidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How it's going to be stored, you know, like what sort of security it's going to be stored under and all that kind of stuff. And this is this is not for anything that like anybody even cares about or it's nobody's sensitive data or anything like but, that but, but it's company it's, policy it's just their policy yeah. for whenever they deal with an outside vendor they just have this kind of stuff and it yep. made me and i remember when i was going through this process with one of those companies i was thinking like this is totally the kind of thing that like uh video games press could do to actually make themselves trustworthy and to get things ahead of time from so companies that don't want to give them things the ahead of time there that is something that has been getting sort of like harder and harder over the years and this year in particular is something that i've been sort of butting my head against is that uh pr for game publishers is typically handled by different like branches of an organization in different parts of the world yeah. like north american pr is different than European PR, like or EMEA PR, which to a or, certain degree makes sense because it's good for the PR to know their region, right? Exactly. But uh, on the other hand, uh, like let's say that one region has been egregiously bad about not adhering to embargo or mm. about leaking stuff early or like accidentally publishing stuff early. Um, Hero, you know, <laughs> yes, generally, <laughs> your like European outlets like particularly not English speaking outlets have been sort of responsible for a lot of leaks, but it's not like they're the only ones. Like, no, they're we not fuck up on this side of the Pacific or Atlantic. If you prefer <laughs> on a regular basis as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the thing is that if a North American PR representative wants to pre-brief an outlet here, uh, then they have to go through lots of channels and inevitably someone in EMEA We'll hear about it and say EMEA? Well, we like just what's EMEA? Europe, oh. like Europe and parts of Asia or Australia. Oh, oh, oh. Um, they will want to be able to brief someone on their side because American outlets are not European outlets, so it means nothing to them. Um, and there's like this kind of competitiveness uh, or like a desire for absolute parity in like the outlets to get coverage. Mm. Um, so they will refuse to pre-brief outlets on one side of the Atlantic if they can't pre-brief outlets on the other side of the Atlantic. It sounds like one of those things that just sounds good in practice, but doesn't make sense in practicality. Sort of like, you know, you have two kids and you're like, I treat both of my kids always equal all the time. And it's like, no, you don't. Right. No. But just don't just stop. Just they're, like they're, they're just, individuals. But on the other hand, treat one. Just, you know, you have a favorite. Just let them be your favorite. We literally just had you explain a scenario where you have to follow the policy that a company has, regardless of whether or not it makes sense for you, because that's their policy. Like, right. But I was talking policy is like policy is applied broadly. But I w but I didn't mean that in terms of like broad policy, you know, like. Uh, the way that things are done now. I'm in it in terms of like, 
a company like IGN or a company like Vox Media deciding that they are going to institute a certain level of security protocol so that they could have a chain of accountability. And, you know, perhaps that would open the door to allow you to get stuff sooner and I'm, and in front of other outlets that don't have that chain of accountability. I mean, I mean that's I mean kind of what NDAs are. I mean, I know there's deep deeper well, yeah, levels. That is exactly what NDAs. There's are. deeper le- levels of it. That is not what NDAs are. NDAs are is like uh, I promise not to leak this, or I promise not to talk about this. That is not a chain of accountability with security protocols. I mean, it's it is a binding agreement signed with like a sort of cascading right, level but of but liability. it doesn't but it doesn't like say that you know this person is going to receive this hard drive that has this encryption key on it. You okay, know, sure, like yeah. Uh, I mean, and I then it's going to go sign. to this person, then it's going to go up here, then it's going to come back to you, you know. I mean, I don't know how many NDAs you signed when you worked in the games press, but I've, I've literally signed NDAs like that every fall. Like, particularly with specific publishers, where I have to sign something, someone else has to sign something, legal has to look at the NDA, and there's like a chain of people that that will go through. Right, but that do- that still doesn't say how the footage is going to make it from one person to another what hardware it's going to go on to and how you're going to encrypt it 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 does like there are third-party applications that require separate authentication beyond steam or debug hardware like that are specific to people's ip addresses oh okay. like i have i i have dealt with ip address specific debug builds of games right and like have to get that shit cleared in advance and also even for Xbox and PS4 stuff, it's more routinely becoming like a thing where even if we get retail code early, we have to get our IP addresses whitelisted or our Mac yeah. addresses whitelisted. Uh, yeah, that's I, been a thing for a while. I, I think what I think Matt was trying to say, though, and related to footage in particular of like, if you're going to receive this, it has to come, it has to be encrypted. And like, it's a more accountable than, hey, you signed an NDA. It's here's how we're getting it to you. Here's when it will either unlock or will it will you when Wilson do the key so you can unlock the footage. Here are the actual people that are allowed to touch it so that we know that if this footage gets leaked somehow that somebody in this chain is responsible for doing that leak. Yeah, and I've tried to have conversations sort of that specifically with publishers, but yeah. they're just not yeah. interested in having those conversations because it is like Jesus. a matter of bureaucracy. Why is that siren sitting right outside your window? Because it's probably stopping at the apartment right across the street from my window. Huh. Uh, because fire trucks and ambulances stop there all the time. <laughs> is that a, an old folks' home? No, it's just an apartment complex. It's just a place. It's pr- pretty big, though. There's also like a <laughs> million... siren's just like gradually dying. Uh, oh, there it is. It's not dying. It's right there. <laughs> Uh, so it's not stopping at my place. It's stopping right there, which is a retirement home. And yeah. there's another retirement home a block over and another a block over the other direction. So that's why that's why that siren is particularly long and forlorn and kind of giving up. Hey, we're coming. <laughs> that's, that's a fire truck alarm. That's a fire truck siren. That's like first responder. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that we'll hear an ambulance in a couple of minutes. Um, but but also I think anyway in, sorry you've you've tried to so, have those yeah, conversations so like, yeah I've tried to have conversations about like <laughs> sort of chain of evidence if you like to use the term and and sort of making sure that only certain people like get eyes on specific things and that's how we work on stories sometimes like that's how we yeah. worked on the Xbox story that we ran a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. like there were four editors like four senior editors like looking all that stuff over and getting it to sources and trying to get it confirmed right, right. Um, but. <laughs> publishers are just not 
interested in hearing it. Like, because they, no matter what North America has to say, like EU, like PR will have the same argument, which is like, why can't we tell somebody? Right. Um, and, and also some of it is, at least when it comes to the, like the, the higher security stuff like that, it's just a lot more work. It's yeah. it requires more people and it, like, and, and for, for something that PR, I mean, you have a business tra- transaction with them. So they, they are dedicating resources to that. Whereas it's more of a relationship between PR and press. Yeah. I mean, you get that, but yeah, just as, as yeah, an explanation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's so just, anyway, E three's coming up though. Yeah, uh, lots up. of crazy shit gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. There's <laughs> gonna be some shit going down next week. Um, I saw. I watched some Watch Dogs two stuff. Yeah, yeah. I Watch Dogs two. I'm the parkour looks cool. Cautiously optimistic. I would Me about too. to say those exact yeah. words. Yeah. Uh, also, like I am just like eagle eyed, paying attention to how that game tries to do what it's setting out to accomplish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they are like stepping into a minefield and i you mean like the hacktivist thing versus yeah and like it's portrayal of of race and uh class concerns in a city that is extremely conscious of that uh San Francisco. In the game region. is set in San Francisco, for those who don't and know. And the yet. protagonist is... And, and, a, and Oakland. And, and Oakland. The and protagonist Oakland, yeah. is a West Oakland resident that is the son of two former Black Panthers. Like, oh, wow. That were pushed out of that. San Francisco. I didn't know that part Pushed of out of the Bay Area by gentrification. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn. Like, so... Think, things are actually happening. Like, this well, is not... This is, like, the West Coast home of Black Lives Matter. This is, like, the West Coast home of Occupy. Like, yeah. people take that shit seriously yeah. here. And not... I don't mean here broadly, meaning like the East Bay. I mean like three blocks from my house right. is where yep. that shit happens. That's where all the protests were. Um, like when Sanders came here last mm-hmm. Monday, like that was by 12th Street Bart. Mm-hmm. That is where the Occupy camp was. Yeah. Like there was another Occupy camp at that park right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's where I got off the, the Bart today to walk to your place. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, uh, yeah, Oakland, Oakland had... Uh, one of the longest, if not the longest running like Occupy protest movement. Yes. And it is still semi active here. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of sensitivity here about the way that Oakland is portrayed. Like Oakland is extremely yeah. sensitive about the way that its community is portrayed. And watchdogs. The first was fucking terrible about all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, especially it's portrayal of people of color. Mm-hmm. Like there was no black person in that game that wasn't a horrible monster or criminal. Well, that's what that's the strange. The other, the flip side of that too is uh, sort of the way that they're portraying hacker culture. Because like I watched the their little uh, featurette thing on it, and they talk about how you know their game is inspired inspired by um, hacktivist culture. Uh, but that it has sort of this fun-loving nature and, like, they're doing it for the lols and stuff like that. And you actually see lols and, you know, uh. all these things, like, popping up, like, in the way that they're hacking these large corporations and they're doing it for the lols. And I'm like, man, that's that's a thorny issue, too, because you're, you're talking about, like, some, some serious, like... Uh, some serious like, cultural issues. And some it, serious cultural yeah, issues like, with all that kind of stuff. I, like, Anonymous has been really quiet ever since Gamergate start yeah because the ties between 4chan and anonymous are direct right and explicit yeah i 
So yeah, I don't I don't know. I think that they are like touching on way more thorny subjects than a simple government surveillance <laughs> is bad, says gruff white man uh, of watchdogs. And I think that like I like I I look at the main character in that game and I see kids like that like in Oakland that dress that way like mm-hmm. that it is in some ways feels very accurate in its depiction of like youth culture and like youth counterculture here. Yeah. But, and I'm hoping that carries through to the final product. Cause like you said, you know, like you're really going to be watching that one. And a lot of eyes are going to be watching on that one because, you know, it is a major franchise, uh, that finally has a person of color protagonist that, at least at this first blush, maybe is handled responsibly. I, I mean, we'll see. It's definitely yeah. the biggest thing that Ubisoft has ever had a a person of color yep. or or a, just an African American like fronting. Yeah, like I guess Connor is considered a person of color. <laughs> and then, um, oh, and then true. it was the the Vita game. Not, I guess like yeah. Connor is a person of color, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but that's a Vita game. Like yep. that's a side story. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and this is like what Ubisoft this desperately wants their new flagship AAA, to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge marketing push kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Like this big is, flagship product franchise. This could not replace what Assassin's Creed fast enough for Ubisoft. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, d- I definitely will be interested to see if they do an on-year and off-year cycle with these games if they do Watch Dogs then Assassin's Creed then Watch yeah, Dogs and, and Assassin's Creed. And mm-hmm. like maybe they realize that that's what they should have done all along. Mm-hmm. Like they should have had something else to take the place of Assassin's Creed instead of like bleeding it yeah. every year. I'll be interested to see what the Spawn on Me podcast guys have to have to say about uh, Watch Dogs 2. Mm. It's a podcast I've been listening to for, for a little while now and headed up by persons of color with video game opinions. Oh, and right. it's, uh, it's extremely fun to listen to. Like there's just a really funny podcast. that got a great sense of humor and they have cool stuff to say about video games. Cool. And you know, us being three white dudes, yeah. you know, like we can commentate about it, but it's always interesting. It's of course, to academic hear. in many it's respects. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, which is, it's weird. Like, Looking at the East Bay being in that game, like it doesn't feel academic. Like I feel like a level of personal investment and wariness that I don't find in a lot of games. Me too. Um, well, and I feel and also, that because you know they portray some San Francisco stuff too, which is where right, I live. Like, there's a lot of footage in that sort of event thing that they did was, which was like recognizably on the Embarcadero, and I was like, Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ, yeah, <laughs> that I know exactly where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, there's the Giant Stadium, which means the IGN office is a block away from it. <laughs> I definitely and think Ubisoft as well. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think Ubi, Ubi's office will be in it, but they'll know about ours. Um, I'm really interested to see, like, again, I mean. Oakland and then San Francisco, but I really hope they portray like the missions, another really big cultural center of San Francisco. They yeah. mentioned the yeah. Castro and the mission specifically. Yeah. Okay. They, and, I, which is where I live. But the, it's just so like, there is so much shit going down right now. Like there's so much unrest and unease in the Bay area right now. And I just, I wonder if there's, if they possess the ability to approach that in a way that doesn't feel anything but exploitative. Yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see where they go with it. Uh, it but looking at gameplay wise, like I'm, it looks smooth. Yeah, it looks really interesting. They were showing off that like, you can supposedly complete mission or complete the game completely non lethally. Yeah, uh, yeah it's like a which taser. Would be a, a nice change of pace from yeah. the first one. Uh, you can do uh, 
you can either go through like guns blazing or hack or like a bunch apparently like, like stealth takedown stuff yeah stealth like stealthily like it it looks great the melee combat looks fun kind of yeah and the like we talked about this a little bit last week i feel like the mechanics were the strongest part about watchdogs yeah, yeah. so yeah. that fills me with some hope that it will be a better game mm-hmm. um the, the the pool ball on a rope looks cool <laughs> the pool yeah. ball on the bungee cord yeah. which is like i don't know I've seen so much video game marketing at this point, like masquerading as editorial content. And it's like, mm. man, that's a really good story. I wonder how long they workshop that story to fit it into this narrative presentation that they're showing people to make this seem off the cuff. You, like, what do you mean? Workshop the cue ball thing? Like, so, uh, Mark, is it Marcus? Is that, I can't I, remember his I, name. I, I, I don't know. So the, the main character, uh, has a lot of like DIY gear. Yeah. Including like his taser is like 3D printed. 3D printed, yeah. Um his main melee weapon is a cue ball with like vinyl like cording through it. Um which basically they talked they talk about in their presentation about how uh they basically went on YouTube to find sort of like DIY easy to make like melee weapons that yeah. that people could sort of like hack and make th- themselves and that's where they found it and like they talk about how they like discovered all these cool uses for it and like a combat style around it and all that sounds like a very cool organic story and like no one in this room should be under any illusions that that was anything but an extremely polished crafted media message oh yeah like that's why it's in the video yeah i I would assume it's like like so someone like yeah we looked up on youtube and they're like great and then they just expanded on that from right i I just like (laughs) nothing in any of this stuff is spontaneous and i understand like how much of it is supposed to seem that way but like None of the footage they showed was spontaneous. Like, all of it was, like, very carefully manicured and crafted. When you see that game at E3, someone has played through that same part about 25 times to do exactly the right thing. The game may not even be working. Like, it will be a live demo with entirely scripted things that in the game are supposed to be dynamic. Like, everything is smoke and mirrors. Well, I mean, that's the the word of caution every E3, right? Is that, like... An E3 demo does not a game make. An E3 demo is something that's been like super bludgeoned yeah. together, you know, like at the last possible moment, usually by studios that are trying to like show you a target experience, not an actual experience. And that's not to say that Ubisoft is egregious in this regard, because as far as no. I know, Ubisoft actually tries to go out of their way to show code running on things. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag being the sort of like best example of a time when that screwed them yeah mm-hmm. uh, if for those that don't know it froze during the twice yeah, yeah. during the uh, ps yeah the sony, the sony, sony press conference yep. the ps4 version froze a couple of times yeah and and i feel like you know that that actually for me when i see something like that happen on stage is actually comforting like i don't look at that and go like oh your your game sucks your engine sucks i go like Oh, they're actually like running the real thing. That uh, sure is in development software. Sure is in development, exactly. Like now, it, I don't feel bad about it at all. It's not the best media message for them, and they sure don't like it. But right. it, but it does show that like, oh, hey, at least you're you brought a, a live demo, yeah. right? But it, but again, like I have played live demos. Like the example I will use is Spec Ops because that studio does not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Spec Ops: The Line at a, a Judges Week event in 2010, mm-hmm. um, and the thing about judges week are these are builds that in a lot of cases people are not allowed to play. And this is a build where they had someone play it in front of the press so they could see it. And Mm -hmm. because I knew the PR person and had done some stuff with him before he let me sit down and play it. And as I was playing, he said, don't walk over there. 
need to walk over there. You need to shoot that. You need to walk there. <laughs> right. There's nothing over there. Uh-huh. Like, like basically walking me through a... It's like with the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade trials where it's like, if right. you step on that, on that block, you're dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> the bill, the bill, the bill crashes. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't drink from that cup. The penitent man will pass. Um, so like, even though it is like functional software, like it is still not, it's yeah. not indicative of anything. Right. Um, so I just, I try not to watch that stuff anymore. Um, I, I enjoy it just because, you know, like the, I like, I like to see people's aspirations, even if they don't end up getting there. I like seeing where they want to go. And, you know, like the division is a really good example of that, you know, like where they wanted to go as opposed to where they ended up. And, you know, it's, it's not a terrible experience by any means, but it definitely isn't what it first showed as. Right. Yeah. I saw, I saw that that demo, oh God, what was it when they revealed it? Three years ago? What watch songs? Yeah. Uh, no, Division. No, Division. Division was 2013. Yeah, and that demo was it was one of those things where they pulled back the curtain, and it's like, it's someone pl- playing, like, it was, they, they had the person playing out front, but it was like they pulled back, and they had someone on the, the iPad doing the UAV stuff, that, yeah. which yeah. eventually didn't end up in the game. Right, right. Right, uh, which isn't that surprising. No. Because, like, a lot of the second, second screen, screen stuff just, and yeah. all sorts of things disappeared. Yeah. yeah, it's because it proved to not be much of a draw. Right, and was expensive and yeah. hard to integrate, yeah. etc. Um, I think the, the one that I did actually use was the Fallout one. Yeah, you know, oh, I for heard the map. people say that, but I never did. It's, it's, I, never, I never used it either. Oh, you can fast travel <laughs> on your phone. Yeah, oh, and like have the map up the entire time and your inventory and like like load stuff. It's it's actually Which is really pretty useful. good. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty nice. I mean, every every time I hear somebody talk about it, I go like, that does sound awesome. Yeah. Still not going to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. um, what's funny to me about like the people complaining about the division, like visual downgrades, is like these are almost all people who only saw online video of it, mm-hmm. who have no idea actually how fucking good the division looked at the first. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It was crazy. <laughs> like I we I talked about this back in 2013. Running like, on online four video titans. is not capable of showing what these games look like anymore. Yeah, and it's still the case. Like that, there is no it's getting good a lot online. closer. My, like man, like I, people people have figured out that like you know if you upload essentially close to uncompressed video to YouTube in like certain formats, you can get YouTube to like trigger uh, its compression at a a higher bit rate than it does if you upload an MP4, no matter how high the bit rate the mp4 mm-hmm. is so you know like there's little tricks to make youtube uh show itself better i mean i've seen than that it does for, otherwise. for movie trailers yeah. i have not seen any of that for video game footage that's because a lot of people still don't upload video game footage in the right way they're uploading mp4s instead of uploading prores or dnx hd or uncompressed i didn't realize you could upro- upro- the, the upload the- dnx hd footage actually you know dnx dnx hd i don't know i just assume because that's the pc standard but you can definitely upload mm-hmm. prores hmm. yeah I, I would assume it would probably be prores most things don't support dnx that's HD. true yeah just avid does yeah but yeah fucking avid um <laughs> i love it well so does premiere but i mean so there a standard was, for format there was some other stuff that video got nerd accidentally or on purpose announced this week like in injustice 2 mm-hmm Got announced. I guess some people were excited about that. Yeah, people like that and, game. And just, Injustice Two was, or Injustice One was pretty fun. Eh. Yeah, yeah. Right. I had some good times playing that with with friends. Um, 
I'm assuming they don't. They didn't announce a PS3 and 360 version that they will subsequently never ship with this game. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so I know that you guys uh, end up knowing a lot of stuff that the rest of us plebs don't get to know. Um, ahead of time, Not just because you have to plan you stuff. Think. Nah, James probably knows more than both of us because of the video stuff he's had to been planning. But uh, no what I'm wondering is the stuff. I'm more curious about the stuff that none of us know. You know, is like uh, what are like what's like a potential surprise? You know, that's outside of like knowledge that you have. I don't have anything because I don't know the industry that well anymore. But like. Like kind of, rumors I've heard and stuff that I've been told are blending together mm-hmm. to a point where it's a little hard. Yeah, and you don't, and you don't want to like <laughs> ruin um, any of those NDAs we've been talking about. I am really curious to see what the price will be on the Xbox One Slim or whatever they end up calling it. Yeah. Most yeah. most of the stuff that I'm curious about is the hardware. The yeah, me, oh, me too. Um, yeah, there's. I'm trying to figure out if I can get a story up before. E3 about what Xbox is doing because I think I figured most of it out mm. but like I need to navigate what I've been told on other stuff versus what is like stuff that I'm second sourcing but mm-hmm. I think that I'm grokking that Microsoft will have a very comprehensive Xbox message next week mm. like the most comprehensive Xbox message they've ever had what do you mean by a comprehensive Xbox message It'll make sense next week. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, do you mean as in they're going to have a, a vision for the future that they're going to lay down so that yes. the consumer will understand it? Yes. That's what you mean. Okay. And, and like laying down like their yellow brick road, so to speak, gotcha. for Xbox, like into the, the indefinite sort of future. Yeah. Well, that's um, good. I hope so, because that's the kind of thing that's, that will help get people excited about, you know an xbox is like because right now like both of the consoles for me are they just feel like the thing that i have because i'm supposed to and because Mm -hmm. i want to play some of the games that are on them Mm -hmm. but i honestly don't really have a reason to have consoles over a pc except for the fact that i have friends that play on these consoles and don't play on pcs um other than that there's no reason for me to have a console i definitely think there's some stuff coming in this next year um that will i'll be glad to have an xbox one and a ps4 in terms of things uh, like i think i don't know when scale bounds coming out but that yeah. stuff like that is why while i'm ex- why i'm excited to have sure I but mean, i think the kind of if the- you look at the rumors like especially the rumors that schreier posted in his piece and that like have floated around before like and that microsoft has essentially admitted pretty earlier this year like what are the chances that scale down does not release on PC at exactly the same time it comes That's out true. on Xbox one? That's true. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, yeah, it gets weird where, yeah, if they're both releasing, like why, why have an Xbox one if you have a PC? So that God. is the question, yeah. isn't it? And so see that that's actually, and we turned on the Xbox. And so the <laughs> Xbox one sounds a lot like Xbox on. And so, you know, it's uh, for me, what I want is like exactly what you're saying, Arthur, is I want them to like lay down a vision and I want them to make me excited about that roadmap. I think they want you to feel excited and good about things. (laughs) Um, I know that's what they want. I, I think that they are 
it seems like they are positioning themselves in a way that will seem extremely consumer friendly yeah. while threading a needle with new hardware. Um, which, you know, that's, that's a difficult needle to thread and they have like a very, like, it is like a death star run that they, that they need to perform yeah. next week. Like, and, and I think that they may have what they need to do that. I know that there are some very heated debates going on internally at Microsoft about certain things that will be asked next week. Um, like about how all this stuff will work, Hmm. like how like PC and Xbox one will work. Um, and I think that maybe they're not totally sure what they're going to say yet. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, super enormously curious to know what Sony's messaging will be on Neo. Yeah. Um, definitely because that I, that is some borderline Sega shit <laughs> that they're doing. Like releasing that hardware so soon. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, maybe they just wanted to trigger Microsoft before Microsoft was ready. I that am. could be it. It could also be that like they caught wind of what Microsoft was doing and decided to launch mm-hmm. now. Yeah, um, that's true too. Or they want people to be able to play VR games on PlayStation 4. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's complicated. I am uh, speaking of VR. I am a little curious about Hololens. If there's going to be anything in Hololens, or if Microsoft is just like putting that under wraps until something is super done with it. I don't think because right now it seems like the only thing they could do is play Minecraft again. I, I, everything I've seen for Hololens this year, shy of some Minecraft demos, is very much like this is like a world changing like quality of life thing not a video game thing anytime soon like we want to teach people how to fix things or perform surgery Mm. not to play a third person game from a weirder camera perspective Mm -hmm. um and i think that microsoft's like the agreement that they that they signed with oculus like a long time ago suggests that like it microsoft is probably more interested in supporting oculus on xbox platforms than they are in developing their own mm. like in hot like hollow ends is something different mm-hmm. from that i just think it's it's yeah it's a i'm not, I'm not gonna call it a prototype but it is it is a high expensive piece of hardware right that i don't think they are looking to make consumer friendly anywhere in the next three years like the business mm. model is much more on the on the the like enterprise almost. the the scale of the surface tables Okay, that came yeah. out like a few years back gotcha. than the Surface Tablet, right? <laughs> which is a consumer device. Like, right. I think yes, enterprise and like medical and government yeah. is something mm. that I think that Hololens is for. Maybe not. the occasional art installation. Sure. Um, although I think VR is almost as suited to that. Um, yeah, I mean AR. Uh, it is the it is the only major player AR device. Yes. Currently, I mean, I guess you can add cameras to the outside of an Oculus and make something more AR, but like, yeah, but not lag, but not by not on, not by default is not part of the product. Yeah, it's all it's it's complicated. I just don't think that we're going to I don't think you're going to hear a lot about HoloLens if you hear anything about HoloLens at E3 this year. I think that you are going to hear very little about entertainment Mm. from Microsoft. Oh, you don't think they're going to talk anything about like. TV, movies, music, 
I they just killed their DVR plans. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I I would think they would probably discuss like here are the apps that are coming this year. Sure. In, in, pa- in a passing mention, very but nothing, briefly, but yeah. no, well, nothing beyond. Unless there's something like really good, like here is like a native Xfinity app, mm, which yeah. would be fucking incredible. Like I would love if I could just like get rid of my cable box and just have Xfinity like as an app on my Xbox One. Wasn't it? Weren't they? St- wasn't DVR stuff like one of their like original announcements? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it was only for over the air. Oh, and honestly, I never knew that. Who's why who gives a shit? Yeah, about for over, over the, the air, air nobody. Yeah, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's lots of great stuff on network TV these days, but not enough to like make you want to de- not enough to make you want to switch over to an over the air antenna to get it. Well, yeah, I mean that, and like people are using cable or they're using video on demand services like Hulu. Yeah for it so they're not yep they're not I, people are those people with an xbox one are not watching over the air tv yeah um so i i think that like if there's like a really cool thing that they can talk about that's going to wow people then they will but i don't think that they're going to pad their presentation out with that shit i yeah. hope not anyway yeah um sony might expand on the view stuff um it sounds like they're going to de- dedicate a large amount of their their conference to neo really Hmm. yeah cool i mean if they're watching a new piece of hardware this year they better (laughs) right (laughs) here is your half hour to explain to people why they want a better ps4 um do you think we'll see any updates for any of the sort of the the big sort of wow ones that we saw last year like horizon or is that going to be like quiet quietly in the background until they're ready to really push it out there i don't know how big a presence horizon will have at their press conference yeah um but it'll be at the show mm-hmm. it just got delayed right which yeah, so surprises nobody um i wonder if no man's sky will be in their press conference i i really don't think it will be don't know considering how soon after it comes out two months yeah not that much though um, uh, that's not okay. To be fair, there are some things that they show that they've shown at conferences before that have come out in like the month or so after. Hmm. Right. There's some stuff they've shown at conferences that came out like a week before. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, I think th- there's going to be stuff at the Xbox press conference that you forgot existed and that you wanted that will have a very n- near term release date. Hmm. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Like a lot of game stuff is not. People keep secrets. Yeah. For a reason. Apparently, well, yeah. Dead Rising 4 is going to be at Microsoft's press conference. <laughs> well, you know, people, they want to keep the secrets so that they, you know, they can get like the social media explosion from people being surprised about this or that announcement. Yeah, I just, I, I, I wonder what Sony's crowd pleasers are going to be this year. Sony is really good at like scheduling like the the sort of neo gaff wish fulfillment hour the, 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 the one <laughs> right. more thing and one more thing and one more thing <laughs> and phrasing it in such a way that like this is the only thing you've ever wanted regardless right. of, of how that turns out yeah like yeah if you look at the stuff that they showed last year like that got everybody talking there were like three things there yeah. was the last guardian there was shenmue three uh-huh. and there was uh final fantasy ah uh, right and who knows what's going on with any of those things. Yeah. So like, I, I wonder what like their big things will be at the show to like 
try to like make people talk about it in a way that is very breathless and excited i mean that's worked for them though right to like make them to make them feel again like oh we're the gamers console we get you where the enthusiasm is yeah and i think that microsoft like has had this tack for the last couple of years like with spencer that like we need people to see that we're like meat and potatoes like we are the realistic ones here's the stuff you're going to do right now here's the the cool practical shit and like that is fine at earlier in the day and then by the time the sony press conference rolls around it's like eh, backwards compatibility <laughs> right yeah. fuck backwards compatibility last fucking guardian <laughs> right. shenmue 3 yeah I, I think, yeah you're right the thing that sony does well is like here's the thing that goes is gonna happen like in a couple years and like they'll, they'll load it with here's stuff that's coming out next year here's all something that just like it's way right. out mm-hmm. and like i think which may like that may be like the thing that Microsoft inadvertently does this year that they haven't done in a long time, which is like to show Scorpio and say, "This is the crazy shit that's coming out next year." Scorpio is the code name for the new Xbox. Scorpio is the code name for the new Xbox. Yeah, for the six teraflop, probably four K native gaming device. That's fucking crazy. Um, it's a good thing Eleanor and I didn't buy a TV this year like we were going to. Yeah, I think that you should maybe, if you're thinking about TVs, maybe wait until next January. Yep. Uh, I think next year might be a good 4K year, finally. Yeah, um, the uh, yeah we uh, finally got donated. Uh, my coworker, Ryan, he and his... He and his girlfriend just bought a new TV, so they gave us their old 720p TV. And mm-hmm. It's funny because, like, even though I, we were using my computer monitor, my computer monitor was, like, really small compared to the 720p TV. So, for us, it feels like a huge upgrade. Sure. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's just, like, who cares? I, I, I don't care. Yeah. It's It feels HD to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who cares? You know, like, I sit in front of, like, a giant Apple cinema display at work whenever I'm working on the PC, and yet I, I go home and we have this 720p TV, and I'm like, hey this is pretty damn good right like my <laughs> my computer monitor is higher resolution than my tv but i would much rather look at my tv yeah. it also depends on, like again how far you are from the tv yeah. and yes. all that stuff. like like i i have a 1080p 32 inch but i'm so far back that it, it could it doesn't, doesn't it could be really, 720p like you yeah. can't tell yeah um yeah. so I, I do wonder if like the scorpio stuff will be like microsoft's version of that by accident because they would prefer not to talk about it yet hmm. um just by saying, look at this crazy shit. Like, mm-hmm. And are they going to show something on it that makes people say, holy shit, this is coming next year. Yeah, Like, I'm excited about this. Yeah. And how do you thread that needle and say, holy shit, I'm excited about this without, like, crapping on everything until then? Well, the uh, it makes me wonder, you know, what that yellow brick road that you mentioned before ends up looking like. You know, I, I am going to be really curious to see how that strategy gets laid down because it's something that, like, you know, both Microsoft and Sony made noises in the past about last generation, especially leading up to this generation that like, we're going to be, you know, your living room hub for everything in your life and everything in your family's lives through this one device. And they've both like thrown that out the window pretty much. Cause they realize people don't give a shit. People don't need that. They have their phones already to be their lives. I, I think I don't, I don't think that's true. I think that like people do want their, their consoles to do more. I just think that like, but i think it's limited right for for microsoft their problem was like condescension Mm. basically it's like gamers will buy it let's look (laughs) at these other people uh like we want the Wii audience to really grab onto our console like there is a fundamental misunderstanding of what the Wii was like we've talked about it on the show before like thinking that the Wii was a recreatable success yep and yeah like the way i always think about it is i think about my my parents 
Like, yeah. would they would they buy this as an entertainment device? Like, does this serve their needs? Right. Yeah. And most of the time, it doesn't. Honestly, no. no. Like, like the the reason that the Apple TV works is because it's simple. Yeah, it has a simple interface. It does. It's like, hey, it's HBO and all the all the smaller things. Yeah, but meanwhile, yeah. the Apple TV isn't actually doing that well. Yeah. So, well, like, well, like Eleanor loves our Xbox for one reason only, and I won't say it because it'll do it. But she would tell she our console, she likes ta- talking to it. She likes saying, hey, console device, go to this app and launch a video and having it do it, yeah, you know, right. and saying, you know, like, hey, console, pause. Yep. Hey, console, play. And uh, in that sense, that's the one thing that is 100% accessible to everybody and totally yeah. works because everybody wants that. Once you know how that. to talk to it. Once you know how to talk to it. Which ho- hopefully is solved by the, the Cortana, Cortana stuff. Yeah. Although right now the Cortana stuff sounds kind of rocky, like that it's not working no. as fast as it should. Mm-hmm. It's also super in beta. Like it's oh, months sure, out. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I, I wonder if Microsoft will have that moment or if they will like instead shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. But I... I honestly think at this point, like, what do they have to lose? Yeah, because true. It's not, I, they I might, know. they might as well like take some chances and see what happens. Yeah. Um, Sony, there, on the other hand, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's their, it's uh, you know, it's their game to lose right now, right? Who Sony? Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like releasing a console that is different and more powerful three years after the first one. It's a risky move. Is really. Like you were really like playing with the emotions of some very fierce early adopters, like that maybe don't feel like they can afford it yet. Yeah, um, I honestly don't think I can. I know I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just last year that I freaking finally bought a PS4 on a credit card because I wanted to play Destiny with all of I my mean, friends. I will buy it, but work purposes versus yeah. If I didn't work in video games and I cared about video games the way that I mostly do now. Like, I would buy it. Mm. Yeah. Like, with the amount of, like, I am single with disposable income, I'm, I guess I'm buying that stupid thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, that will be the cheapest dumb thing I didn't need I bought this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will, yeah. I will definitely not be buying it. I just, no money. I mean, I might buy the new Xbox. Yeah. The, like, the smaller Xbox. Right. Um. So, the thing that I don't know about that that I'm most curious about is whether or not it has the TV in. Oh, right. Yeah. Because as you have no doubt noticed, I use that shit all the time. All the time. Yeah. Well, and it makes absolute sense to have a TV in on either of your consoles, any of your consoles. It shouldn't, you shouldn't need a freaking, you know, like uh, a third party HDMI switcher to go between your devices when you have something that's a general computing device. I I just, I mean, I think that it's a stupid stopgap measure because the TV industry in this country is fucked. Sure. And way behind like everywhere else in the world. And I should not have to worry about that. Like I should just be able to sign in with the Xfinity app on my Xbox. Like I fucking can on my iPad and watch live TV. Well, and you still can't watch HBO on the PS4, which is Xfinity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with like uh, a bunch of different providers, you can't. Right. Because they haven't finished negotiating right. those carriage things. With those so years later. Years later. <laughs> there's an HBO, there's an HBO Go app on the PlayStation that I definitely cannot watch with a login that may or may not be legitimate. But now there's, I think there's HBO Now. Is HBO Now on PS4? I think HBO Now is on Xbox. Uh, I don't know. What? It, I don't know. Oh, on Xbox One? Yeah, it's definitely on Xbox. Which makes me think that there should... If there's not one on PS4, there should be soon. Yeah. 
HBO now. That's maybe if it's not if it's not PS announced, that definitely will be a four on stage announcement. Like, hey, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you miss Game of Thrones last night? Because you couldn't watch your PS4? <laughs> now you can. Um, according to Polygon.com, it is not yet out on website. PS4. It's a shitty website. <laughs> HBO now is on uh, Xbox One as of April 21st. Hmm. Oh, cool. There um, you go. So, so the, yeah, so I don't know. The, yeah. I, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Is there anything that is announced that you can talk about that you're looking forward to actually getting to play in person as opposed to just getting to see. I mean, I hope Halo Wars 2 will be there. Yeah. I'm really curious about Scalebound. I'm wondering which Platinum is making that game. Mm. The Platinum that makes good games, the Platinum that makes (laughs) crappy games. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what's playable and what's not. Um, I... Well, I'm just going to be watching everything from home, so I'm going to watch the press conferences and look at people's tweets and read the websites when I can. That's going to be pretty much my next week. Titanfall. Titanfall 2. Yeah. yeah. Battlefield 1 is there. I am extremely curious about both mm. of those games. I love Titanfall, so I'm like really excited about playing that game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I think, think they've said that you'll that it's be, it'll be playable there. Very um, cool. I feel like you wouldn't put. I feel like you wouldn't bring Titanfall to E3 unless you got people to play. You would just hold off till Gamescom. The 2013 people could not play Titanfall at E3. Yeah, but, but I mean, like I feel like now, I feel with this version, with it being the game that it is, and people know what it is. There's no point in showing it unless people can play it. It, it just might. I mean, it might be what we were already saying. Those demos often are, which is not fucking ready. Yeah. Um. But who knows? Yeah. Um. Also, the thing that drives me nuts about E3 now uh, in, like, the post-Xbox One and PS4 era is that, like, there are so many shows for companies to go to that it has drastically changed the way that they show games. Ubisoft, Microsoft. No, no, I don't mean, like, showcases at E3. I mean, like, now it's not just E3. Now it's E3 and then Comic-Con and then Gamescom and then PAX. Yeah, and PSX, right, and Call of Duty's own event, TG. right, and TGS, <laughs> and fucking PAX yeah. South, yeah, like, and then PAX PAX East, like, yeah. It's we, like the convention season is all is all year, part year. of the strategy. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we we went from calling it an event season to just to event. Now we have event year, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the whole year. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it's because none of them can like place themselves too close to the other ones, and everybody wants to have one because they all make a shit ton of money. I mean, for now. Will that stay that way, though? I don't know. As long as consumers continue to go to them, right now it doesn't look like there's any sign of of abating. I mean, there are Comic-Cons that aren't California Comic-Cons that don't do as well. Well, no, they definitely don't, Um, because they're not the one. So, yeah, I I don't know. Like, like, those those have drastically changed the press cycle, because people feel like they need a new beat at every event. Yeah. Which is hilarious, because, like, a lot of those events, people do not read anything coming out of them yeah like pax is poison <laughs> to I'm coverage like, it, I, that's okay for i for for us like we've actually tested this people will click on the exact same story without pax in the title more than they click on it with pax in the title oh yeah well, we don't put pax in the title either. yeah see then it's just a story like but if people think it's if people know it's from pax before they click on it they just don't care 
That's weird. Yes. I wonder it's why that. Extremely weird. And I wonder I have why no that idea is. why that is. Just like I have no idea because why. It, because reviews... it, why people, as much as we think it's a big, I mean, it is a big show, not to the general audience. Yeah. They like, don't care. They, like the amount of people that have gone to PAX is under probably just above a million, like in terms of like the turnover per year. But... And I think every word in a headline that does not relate to what someone wants to know or is mm-hmm. interested in no. like, diminishes their, well, their I mean, that's... interest in clicking on it i mean that's the basics of goal-driven user design right uh but when it comes to packs i mean like the the good thing about packs that you always hear from developers especially smaller ones but also occasionally from AAA, is that like it's a really good place to put your game in front of uh, an actual game playing audience instead mm-hmm. of just the press um but yeah that that i can see how that wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. translate into uh user engagement on modern video game websites yeah i don't i yeah. it's complicated it Packs is and other shows are complicated but basically for e3 it means that like there is stuff that previous years they would show mm. that now they just announce and don't and put a trailer out their, to get part of the e3 coverage um, buzz and like then, there yeah. is a game that's being shown this year that in previous years would have had a specific mode playable at the mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. that this year is saving it for another show later this oh, year. Oh wow. Gamescom probably. Probably, yeah. Or PAX. Or PAX. Um PAX like is PAX is an interesting show because it's later in the year and closer to release. So mm-hmm. at that point, like fall games should be more or less content complete. Right. And, and at that point they'll they're like, okay, well we can just tie instead of doing a preview event, we'll just tie it to PAX and yeah. right. and get everyone to come there to play the pre play the Or event. that's what they think until like Let's tell them. Actually, we're not sending a lot of people to PAX, <laughs> right? Um, and the, and this a uh, couple people who are going are going on their own dime and they're going just to have fun. I mean, I somehow let's do that for sure. Yeah. Like we don't do that. I'm, IGN doesn't do that. IGN sends a lot of people to Prime. Absolutely. Oh, I'm saying like on their own dime. Like no, yeah, people. No. Yeah, if we, you're covering something for us, like you're, it's we sent you there. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying like the the uh, if. I'm not saying people go there on their own dime and then cover stuff. I'm saying there may be people who actually work for press outlets who weren't going to go for their outlet, but yes. they just take time off and then yeah, they yeah. pay to go for themselves just so that they can go yeah, and have fun and play games. There are definitely people who do that. Yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> it's interesting stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm kind of excited. I was not excited earlier this year, but I definitely am now. And it's yeah, all based man, on hardware. E3 three is going to be fucking weird this year. Yeah. I'm looking um, forward to it, definitely. And also, like, it starts in earnest on fucking Sunday, man. Dude, that's crazy. I fly out, well, the day you're here, unless I will already be in L.A. Yep. <laughs> what's on, uh, what starts on Sunday? Uh, well, Bethesda Saturday again? is actually an event. Can we say what the event is on Saturday? I don't is know. It, like, I don't think no? it's been announced. No. Like, it's it's a DLC event for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sunday is EA's event uh, earlier mm-hmm. in the day. So that starts at noon. Live stream coverage starts at noon. Live stream, like, I assume. The, the conference, I think, starts at one. Yeah. Um, Bethesda is at like six thirty or seven. Yeah. Um, Were they flipped last year? No, there was just Bethesda. It was just Bethesda on Sunday. On Sunday. Um, I think there's something else happening Sunday night too, but I can't remember what. Hmm. There's there's a couple of events that are. Um, Monday night is a goddamn disaster. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> There's like three things happening at once, at least. Like, there's like a Ubisoft showcase, a Microsoft showcase, like that are both scheduled at the same time, which is exactly after Sony's press conference is supposed to end. But Sony Jesus. always runs long. 
Is the pre- is the showcase the same as a press conference? Or is no, the, the showcase same? is where the games are. Like, oh, I understand. Play, it's like here is all the right. stuff we have. Play it right. So the idea is that you you if you are a media outlet, you send a person who's going to cover this thing to the showcase to play shit and then write it up for the we next day. See, we we have like four or five people going to the showcase, right. but yes, like it is a coverage thing, <laughs> right? Um, what? I, no, I. Uh, you and I were talking about amount of, amount of people going to E3 this year yeah. for IGN, and I, I don't think I can say the number, but it's it's a lot, it's a lot of people, more <laughs> than you could possibly think IGN could manage to say. <laughs> and, and, and I explained to Arthur that some of those people are like sales clients that they're meeting and stuff. Like, sure, like, sure. They, they get a, what they're called affiliate badges. Yeah, that are like not they're not media or exhibitor, um, and so it's like they literally come in for usually like half an hour to literally just go have a meeting and mm-hmm. walk around and go see the booth and then they leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. E3. Yeah. I'm excited. I have Me some too. trepidation. I already have stuff to write, mm-hmm. like a fairly massive thing to write <coughs> before the show even starts. Mm-hmm. And then an interview, like immediately following a specific press conference, uh, with an embargo of Monday night. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And uh, so it begins. Yeah. I need to go home and gather assets. I need and build lower thirds. I need to work on that tonight, like that writing thing tonight, probably. And then tomorrow, I need to do laundry and pack. I have to go home and do all kinds of stuff that I can't talk about because um, it's security. No, it's very be, secure. No, because it's sexual. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, it's because no, we can talk about that. I just have lots of work. Uh, uh, Matt and I are going to go home and, and yeah, it's it's me and James actually. All right. Well. Eleanor doesn't listen to this show. We can talk about it, James. <laughs> um, uh, but, I want to uh, see... Do we have games to talk about? Uh, I played some Far Harbor, but the only thing that I that's really new for me to talk about is I actually played four hours or so of Stellaris. Tell me about Stellaris. It is sure as hell a Space 4X game. Yeah, I'm right now. I'm really enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. that, of course, that's a game that you can't know much like Civ. You don't know if it's going to hold up uh, until you've played it for 40 or 60 hours for like one game mm-hmm. to see how far you get into it. Uh, but um, I like the colony building and the ship building a lot. Um, the fact that it's basically real time, but you pause to get o- to give orders and then unpause and. Um, you know, and it has some of the basics that any of these kinds of game has, which is like you have explorer units that you send out to try to find stuff. They do really cool things where uh, if they find anomalies on different planets and those anomalies can yield bonuses or they can yield sort of subquest items that you can pursue. Um, there's lots of systems that are layered in how deep they are, like your government, the type of government that you have and the type of faction that your leader is associated with define what policies are available yep. for your empire. Um, so you can delve down into those and you can get really specific to try to like find the right combination of synergies based off the planetary resources you have available to you uh, nearby or in your home system. Um, and like the, and you know, who my neighbors are is already come into play where it's like, uh, cause I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go as long as I can without having to build a military. Well, the first neighbor that I ran into is like a fanatical militarist. 
So and like, shit. And I'm like, shit, I cannot do that. I have to start building up my military stuff now. Yeah. And uh, I got a really nasty surprise early on where it was like I was following the tutorial missions and it said, build a far outpost at a neighboring star and that allows you to claim it for your empire even though you don't have a colony. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do that. And then like right after I did that, pirates spawned in my home territory and started attacking that far base and destroyed all of my outposts oh no and like all of my mining my space mining operations and everything and uh i had to like build up a military real fast and go fight off these pirates that had built a base in a nearby unclaimed system in between my home system and where i'd built this uh this far outpost Mm -hmm. i was like that was actually really cool it sort of like taught me a lesson early on that like hey, man, like, uh, this is not the kind of game where you can just sit by and be as diplomatic as possible. Um, Which, in one way, is kind of a bummer, but in another way, like, uh, I think it actually is completely random because I could have been surrounded by people that were all pacifists. Yeah. I've also heard, like, crazy things in terms of, like, when you you start to conquer systems, you, you basically, depending on what type of, like, government you are you can break it up so that, like people don't have voting rights you're like okay yeah well, the only percentage of these people here so they can't affect the vote that much and like <laughs> and so like they can't affect policy and like, right in terms of leaders because like you're not in direct control of your leaders like they, they can they have elections yeah exactly um, <laughs> cat on the table yeah. yeah they they have uh um yeah they will have elections and then your <laughs> Whoever your leader is has specific goals that they try to accomplish in their term of office. Mm-hmm. And if you don't accomplish those goals, then that faction actually loses popularity in your empire. Yeah. And now you, as like galactic king or whatever. Yeah, you whatever are, you are. It's, yeah, it's you, all, it almost is like you're a constitutional monarch, isn't it? Yeah, you, you can like put your like weight behind one of the faction or yeah. like the, one of the leaders. Like if you don't like the way that that, that one person leading, you can be like, no, nah, I'm just going to put my, put my like weight behind this other guy. Like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> yeah, like you, you get influence points and you can spend the influence points by backing a particular candidate yeah. once it's election time. There, there, are, there are three form, not, not currency, but there are like three different tiers yeah it's it's the same kind of thing like with civilization there's Mm -hmm. like uh sociological points which is basically culture Mm -hmm. uh there's energy which is basically money Mm -hmm. and then there's minerals which is your all-purpose resource for building ships building uh i mean in that sense it's kind of like money but it's more like a building supply because you use it to clear sections of land when you're on planets Mm -hmm. uh insofar as like even like making uh tearing down volcanoes <laughs> yeah you know so that you can actually like build stuff where that volcano once was or clearing wildlife and stuff like that yeah taming wildlife or getting clearing uh dangerous wildlife or or clearing radiation on a on a tomb planet which is basically a planet that's been victim of a of a nuclear war that you come across uh yeah that's, that stuff is just so super cool it really is yeah and like the one cool thing that i think i'm about to do is like you can uplift cultures mm-hmm. so there's tons of like neutral races and neutral aliens all throughout your galaxy which is just basically like like going against the prime directive and like br- <laughs> right. br- bringing them up to a spacefaring culture <laughs> well it's like because you run across so i ran across planets in my surveying um that are like 
you know, there's a primitive culture on this planet and they're barely stone age and like you can't really do anything with them. They're just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's a habitable world, it, it tells me right now that at least I'm playing the human empire because I just wanted to start out with like basic human whatever and see mm-hmm. how it goes. Um, it says with your current policies, you cannot colonize this planet because you're not allowed to colonize a planet that's like with these stone age cultures Mm -hmm. but uh i have this other planet that it said hey you found a steam age culture uh why don't you go and build an observation outpost i'm like all right i'm gonna Mm -hmm. go build an observation outpost and see what that does and i know you can uplift cultures in this game so my hope is that like i go there to this steam age culture i observe it for a while and maybe i can influence their technological progress so that i can uh, uplift them because you can have a bunch of mixed races in your empire. You can either dominate them or you can like diplomatically absorb them into your empire. And you might have a race of fungoids or arthropods that are experts at settling arthropods. <laughs> arthropods, <laughs> just a whole bunch of arthurs. <laughs> <Arthropods>. <laughs> Meh, I hate games. With crab Meh. shells. <laughs> with crab shells. <laughs> arthurs with crab shells. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think there is like a crab. A, a crab looking oh, race. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, they have a whole because you can create new races Perfect. and they have a whole bunch of races <laughs> like uh, that you can, yeah, I mean there's like all kinds of stuff that you can make in this game race wise. Uh, but yeah, so let's say I, I have my race of arthropods and arthropods are really good at colonizing I don't know, ice You're never planets. never going to look at a lobster the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should go see the, the, the lobster, the movie. I've seen it. Pretty good. Anyway, there's lots of cool stuff with this game. I'm really hoping that like the long game holds out because uh, you know if it gets boring in the long game, instead of getting more interesting or it gets too difficult to then manage, it is a bad for X game. Then it is a bad for X game. Uh, anything else? Um, no, that's it for me. I finished Mirror's Edge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I reviewed it, so yeah. So, no. How is it? With, do you agree with the Internet Consensus Bureau? I don't know what the Internet Consensus Bureau is. It seems like it's pretty divided. Yeah. Um, which is not what I expected. Like yeah. I had a conversation with Polygon's Phil Collar about mm-hmm. this before my review ran, which is that I expected it to be almost as divisive as the first one. Because hmm. um, I think that the running is good and like that stuff is fun and that the more you do that, the more fun you're going to have and the more you're looking for like generic open world cool stuff, the more disappointed you're going to be. Mm. Um, Does that part of it feel like it was unnecessarily included in the game? It's weird because I feel like the open world stuff in that game gives the free running a lot of room to breathe and develop that the first game did not have because mm-hmm. by virtue of it being an enclosed space, like the runs are much shorter. Yeah. Uh, I talked about this a lot with uh, Justin McElroy on our quality control this week about this, but mm. like, a run in Mirror's Edge, like a good one, like one that felt lengthy, would be like 15 to 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this, like you can spend multiple minutes just running from place to place. place. Um, nice. And that's a lot of time to sort of like figure Faith out and like know what she can do and like really like put her through her paces. Nice. That's cool. Um, and so I think that the open world like really gives an opportunity to do that in a way that it would not have otherwise had. Uh, I think the open world stuff in the game is like very thin. Um, there are time trials and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. things that you can compete with your friends against in it um, that are unlocked immediately that allow for whatever upgrades you have to be brought in with you, which means that like 
if you have played more of that game and like gotten farther in the character progression, you have an advantage over anyone who doesn't sure. like in your time trial. Yeah. So it's like a racing game where someone with a much more expensive car can race against you and have their time just like generically compared against yours. Yeah. Which sort of defeats the purpose, I think. Yeah. But opinion. I mean, as long as everybody is clued into that, um, I just think that it's, it's not good design. Um, I think that instead like adding some limitations on progression stuff would be good, but you know, whatever dice hasn't done a game like this before no um i think that some of the best missions in the game are only touched upon once or twice in the the quote campaign and never touched again what makes them the best Um, the the most running because no they feel like like future heists ah cool like where you're like in these like massive server structures Mm -hmm. like that were clearly not designed for human navigation (laughs) with like these security laser beams and so your goal is to make it to this central terminal to hack it um and all you have to do to finish level is get there but Mm -hmm. there are also these security beams where if you cross them it'll work security Mm. um and so you can like just brute force your way through it and cross those beams and deal with security, or you can be a badass and circumvent those things like fucking Catherine Zeta Jones and entrapment. (laughs) Um, and that like adds a layer of optional sophistication to it that makes it feel that much more satisfying to complete those missions that way. Hmm. Um, and they could have emphasized more of that in the story. And I think that it would have been a better game, but instead, they really lean pretty heavy, especially in the second half and the last quarter, especially uh, on melee combat again, Ugh. which I mean, it's better than it was, but it's still not good. Yeah. Um, does it feel like you're punching dolls? Like, like, like sometimes it, like the takedown moves feel impactful. Like I, from, Oh yeah, I no, it, like there is like a, in the review, the way I put it is that it's not fun, but it is satisfying Yeah, to like kick somebody in the head and like hear and see their helmet crunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like to knock somebody off a 40 story building with a, like a kick to the head <laughs> right. or whatever. Um, but it's just, I, I mean, I think that it demands slightly more than it easily allows from its combat system. And their formula is like a very traditional shooter style but like enemy progression system which is like we're going to show you one of these and then they're going to be two and here's like a more powerful guy by himself and now there's one guy with two of those lighter ones and so on and so forth and like mm-hmm. here's the big boss mm-hmm. oh wait now he's mixed in with a bunch of people mm-hmm. oh the big fight is two of those guys and like it just really wants you to fight things to the point where near the end there's you get into this apartment and like you turn a corner, like waiting for an elevator to open, and there's like 15 dudes, like just <laughs> oh, like sitting there that see you and freak out, like they didn't expect you. It's like a fucking Marx Brothers movie or something. <laughs> right. And there's not really any choice but to fight them because mm. you have to wait for the elevator to get there. Yeah. Um. And so like in Mirror's Edge two, there's a fucking part where you fight 15 dudes, mm. and it's just not very effective in in moving you through those spaces because mirror's edge suffers the most when you are moving from standing still yeah and that's what fighting is like right a lot of it is like standing in one place and doing stuff yeah Um, it was sort of like what i was saying last maybe i can't remember who i was talking this about but i was saying that like it feels to me like mirror's edge the combat it should just be another running puzzle 
instead of being, you know, like a rhythm game or a first person melee combat or whatever, it should be, you know, like you run at guys and, you know, you time things right to, to trip I, them up and keep moving. And you can do that in some spots, but there are other spots where there's just not that space. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're, you're saying you're going to like wait for an elevator and you have to fight 15 dudes. It's like, there's not an option to like, all right. I feel like it should be the way that later Assassin's Creed games where you were flowing from one dude to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, exactly. or Batman. Right. In first person. I feel like that's, I mean, that's what the rest of that game is. And the, like the fact that it's like, again, I haven't, I haven't touched that game. The fact that it's maybe forcing you to slow down is not. Yeah. And, and like it's the running is best when you are moving forward, right? Not going in a circle hmm. and like in fight, spaces like even the running part it's like well i'm gonna run around this space over and over again right um and try to get in a straight line to tackle this guy or something no i like you can like come off a wall and do whatever it's just like Mm. like circling around it just doesn't feel fun like going through the same space over and over again doesn't feel fun yeah well, so. it might be. It might feel fun if you could do a bit of the Batman thing and have some more little input, big output kind of stuff, where it was more timing based and not so much, uh, you know, like combo based. And the, well, this is timing based because like you can't just hammer on stuff because people will block your shit. No, but um, I mean, like, don't you have to do like more than one hit on them? You know, like depending on how powerful you are and like what you're mm, doing and like oh, okay. whether it's from a run or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would, I would, if I do something, do another game. I would love to see it where it's almost like you're a, a I don't know, like a pin in a pinball machine. Maybe where like you're, you're, you're maybe hitting one guy and then like, like I don't know, I, I can't describe it as like the um, Black Widow where she's like flips over dudes sure. yeah. and then like goes in the other direction, kicks kicks dude the chest and bounces off and goes back towards the other guy. And yeah, like, and I just I don't know if like dice knows how to do that yeah like, that's that's a complicated that'd be a comp that yes. would be a complicated system um, well that's the kind of thing where it would almost have to be the only way that i can picture it is it would have to be super timing based and it would have to be the kind of thing where there's an indicator on the left of the screen that's like you know you can move your joystick to the left to go I toward the guy over there to and hit x you know like rhythm game almost yeah in a lot of ways like which is what like a lot of the assassin's creed stuff was in two yeah. and three yeah um, it changed later obviously it did but, yeah but i know what um, you mean though uh so yeah i like i feel like that stuff weakens the game yeah um and also I feel like the progression system feels a little forced. Mm. Um, there are mission critical, like root mechanics of mirror's edge that are hidden in that progression system. Like, did you play the original? Yeah. Did you play the original? I did. So there's a 180 degree turn Mm -hmm. in the first game. And that is also in catalyst, except it's an upgrade. It's a weird upgrade. Yeah. Because you need it. (laughs) <laughs> like there are parts of the game that you can't finish without it. Oh wow. Um yeah, that's really weird. So so that was weird and there's like others, I don't know, just like the upgrade system feels excessively contrived and there's like f- maybe 40 possible things to, to get and it just I don't know. Yeah. Did you unlock all of them by the end of the game? No. But I also didn't do like a ton of side missions. I critical pathed it mostly. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um which is sort of the other thing like that I I actually talk about in the review that I don't do very often which is that like some of my problems with the game are reviewer problems because most people don't finish the games they play. Yeah. Like very, very few people finish games. Yeah. Um, like it's like low 20 to 30%, maybe 
that finish most games. And that's actually good by a lot of standards. And so for me to complain about what the end of the game is like is a problem that most people playing that game will never experience. Yeah, but also, uh, you know, you can acknowledge that while still realizing that your job as a reviewer, of course, is to, you know, like, consider everything that you've played. Well, my philosophy as a reviewer is yeah. to treat it holistically. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's it, with open world games in particular, it's like, yeah, do especially. you fuck around and do the side stuff that, like, some people will do forever, or do you try uh-huh. to finish it? Right. Um, I still haven't finished Fallout. Right. I, I mean, I got an ending when I reviewed it, but I still haven't even gotten to an ending. Doesn't have an ending. Um, <laughs> yeah, playing far. I played a little bit of Far Harbor today. It was like I had, I had to pick between that and Hitman. And originally, I picked Hitman, but then I had to download the new episode because it hadn't downloaded yet. Uh, um, but maybe I'll play that tomorrow because the new episode is out and the new elusive target. Oh, crazy! Is, is up, and this time they did it for three days instead of two. Wow. Uh, which is nice because I've actually missed both the lucid targets yeah. so far and I'd really like to do one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I only had time to play like an hour of fallout today and I did a robot murder mystery <laughs> at, and at one point accidentally had sex with a robot. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. That robot. I just thought we were going on a date. But we definitely had sex. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely had sex that's amazing um but yeah it was, it's it's an interesting part of that dlc like it's just a completely dialogue driven like little murder mystery thing yeah i love that kind of stuff in my rpgs you know like the the trial in kotor was yeah. super fun and it know? feels like one of the the parts in that game that that really like rewards having leveled up your conversation skills oh good because mine's the highest it can be yeah mine too I was getting yellow and orange and red options like nobody's business. Yep, me too. Um, which is how I accidentally fucked a robot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, oh, and great. obviously played a lot of Dota. Watched way more Dota this week than I played because uh, the Manila Major is going, uh, which has been so good. Uh, really? Yeah, if people want to watch just a really good game of Dota, the MVP... Uh, who was it? Was it Alliance? No, it was not Alliance. I'll look it up real quick. OG? It was... Uh, MVP Liquid. MVP, yes. That, oh, man. God, that series was good. Yeah. There's just, like, a ton of, like, really great... Do- like, all the majors have been really fucking good. Yeah. Um, the production... Which, of, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, the production on, the, on this tournament has also been... Pretty, Almost pretty, too, maybe too good? Yeah. Like... Uh, they are trying some things with production that are so far ahead of anything anyone else is doing in an esport yeah. that, like, I think people are having trouble adjusting to it. Yeah, and again, like, it, what are it, they doing? Um, they're t- pumping out data from the game into a separate interface that comes up during team fights. That has like it's like a custom overlay, so it's not, not even the, it's just the game game behind it, and then yeah, it's uh, they call it the battle battle cam battle cam and it has uh team health at the top so it's like total health for both teams or mm-hmm. all players uh, uh individual cameras for each person on the side their individual health and mana they're all their usable items i think this is on, and this is on twitch this is an in client yeah, sure of course uh all their spells and their cooldowns. This is very similar, kind of, kind of wow. how League has it, but it has everything up at once. So not just that, like that in and of itself is like interesting, but like also like 
during rune spawns, which are every two minutes, uh, there will be separate like windows that pop up on the screen showing each rune. Yeah. So they like have bit- what it is and who's going to it. And oh, like, wow. there are three separate observers per, uh, per game. Right. Yeah. That's really smart. And like it's sometimes the, the game will break into three separate views within the same sort of game interface, which yeah. is really kind of cool the way that they do it. Cause like the UI doesn't change. It's still got like the same Dota shit on it. It's right. just like three separate cameras inside of that. Huh. Um, and it, it shows like three different views of the battlefield, like which is like for a game with as much going on as Dota, it's a very interesting way to sort of like try to give people like a bigger meta view. Mm-hmm. Well, and you'd think that like I mean, like the natural inclination would be like, oh, this is going to be too much data overload for the viewer. But what ends up happening is like you end up watching one of those cameras and then you switch over to another camera, like not not in game i mean like you as the viewer you like watch left right middle or whatever you go to wherever you th- you want the information to come from uh, and sometimes it just feels like too much information well i'm sure it does uh, but like, yeah i think that they're they're still figuring out the balance yeah. between doing that and it being useful and doing that and it being too much um but I, I, like the amount of like things when like in mid match they'll bring up uh like they'll look at like one individual player if they're talking with that player during a down period and bring up their camera and show some additional stats and everything. Like it's getting to the point where I'm like, okay, you guys get what it is to be like broadcasting broadcast, like Mm an actual broadcast rather than, Hey, we, we, we show, we show game footage. It's like, I don't know, like they're doing it really well. And I and I mean it makes me really excited for TI. Yeah, like I don't what know. They're gonna do I don't know. And, and the, the company is called PGL, by the way. Uh, right, but and you have to figure that that like Valve is just paying attention to what everyone has done at every major, and that they're mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. will like integrate those the good things ideas, yeah. into TI. Yeah, um, and they're also yeah. I, I would assume that they would bring those guys on at least for like some maybe not mid core production but at least some like take those ideas and be like hey we'll we'll work with you guys on maybe some of the graphics and yeah. stuff like yeah. that um these are the guys also if you're kind of strict fam did kluge napoka and um a few other tournaments uh includes the kluge is regarded as one of the better um production saw in uh, counter-strike one of the finals for this are they saturday night saturday going into sunday but they start late like they start at like 10 o'clock our time probably yeah it's like and how long have they been going uh all week yeah is this a uh, and is this a tournament that uh is specifically to feed people into ti or does that not matter it's one of the majors like there are three majors and ti so it's like every season has a major tournament like and every major has a three million dollar prize pool um so it's and then well what i mean is like to the to the majors have any relationship yes. to ti yes like you you earn points and it, is that how it works i think i think there were when i first launched it they talked about it but it, like of course the winners get invited and yeah your performance yeah. At, at at the majors will determine like your invite status okay yeah. except for if you drop your players after the roster lock yeah so there was like a bunch <laughs> of drama today because like two of the most high profile teams who happen to do sort of atrociously at manila after like big team shuffles in March mm-hmm. uh, had more roster changes today, which is evil geniuses and team secret mm-hmm. uh, evil geniuses being the TI five champions. Um, yeah. And those roster changes come after the roster cutoff. 
from March, which should disqualify them from invites to TI. Which means they can they can just go through open qualifiers. I mean, it doesn't mean they're not going to be there. Which means they need to play like a lot of a games, ton of games, of yeah. games, rather than just hey, we have time to practice. Jesus, but um, uh, and like a lot of those games are best of ones. Ooh, yep. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, because Damn, they're again, like it's they're open. Like people just like enter their teams. We, we, right, we, right. Like, uh, IGN's like or when Mitch was there, I think it was me and him and Katie Casarda and Miranda and Brian or something. Like, did you enter in the the TI open? Uh, we, we did. We did just just for fun. But and, and it lasted. Uh, oh no! So it ended up because of their the system that they were using. It ended up kicking us. Oh, because your MMRs weren't high enough. Or no, it was it was a weird like bug where that you had to resubmit, and if everyone oh. didn't hit, say, "Hey, yes, okay, I am on this team," then it. Oh right, I think I remember this. But yeah, yeah. like that is like just to say that like that is that is how easy quote it is to mm-hmm. like register for open qualifying mm-hmm. for TI or any major. Um, Damn. Uh, there is a team of casters that do the open qualifiers for every major since last year, (laughs) uh, which are some of like the better casters they, there was, there was another team of casters that were like very try hard and serious Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Was it stake stake gaming? Like something like that. What do you mean? Like it was like, it it wasn't purchase team. No, it wasn't purchase team. Purchase team is like the, parodic response to that yeah oh yeah i don't know there's like this team that were like that were going to be casters that were going to be very serious about it and veggie esports was like the joke response yeah to that (laughs) and they've ended up like getting pretty far in the open qualifiers like i think they went to like the round of 16 (laughs) or maybe maybe the round of 32 maybe round of 32 which is pretty fucking good yeah and they were eliminated by the same team that eliminated them from like the round of 64 the time before yeah (laughs) Uh, in a best of three. I mean, they're, so. they're all they're all pretty good. It's uh, Purge and Blitz and Capitalists, Capitalists uh, and like one or two other and people. a couple of other dudes. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so open qualifier like it's it's like a meat grinder, and even for very good teams, like you lose games sometimes. I'm sure, yeah, um, and especially if like it's a new lineup that's like trying to figure it out, it's really hard to get through those open qualifiers. Uh, now the people that. Like at least for EG, it's gonna supposedly be PPD, who's from the team that won. The only person that is not gonna be there, which is PPD, uh, Owie, I think is maybe getting kicked. So again. back in March, yeah, uh, or okay, after TI five last year, which mm-hmm. was an Evil Genius squad that consisted of uh, Owie two thousand, Fear, PPD, Universe, and Samail, they kicked Owie and recruited. Artizi, who had been with the team previously and left them to join a team called Secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, in March of this year, Universe and Artizi left Evil Geniuses to join Secret, and Evil Geniuses <laughs> re-recruited Owie. And Bulba? And Bulba, like who was uh, like their coach, I think. Uh, yeah, and, um, then, and then Zai was their like their alternate. Their alternate. Uh, so anyway, uh, I hate I hate gamer handle names. I mean, I know their names, but it doesn't matter. So I know. Anyway, uh, I just, I, I, I hate them in general. Evil Geniuses and Team Seeker both got eliminated in best of ones in the main event mm. of the Manila Major, which is pretty bad for those teams for that to happen. Um, and Team Secret honestly, has just never really gelled the way they were supposed to. Like, it was supposed to be, like, an all-star murder squad for Dota, and it just never really worked out that way. Um, <laughs> sort of like... Uh 
all-star teams in other sports. Yeah, kind of. So anyway, uh, today, like this morning or maybe last night, um, universe quit secret. Uh, uh, abandoned, I think, is the term that was used. Secrets, <laughs> Secrets owner said that universe abandoned them. <laughs> uh, ostensibly to rejoin Evil Geniuses, although we don't have confirmation. No, no, he said, he said as much. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, I didn't see that. Yeah. So he's rejoining Evil Geniuses, which is awesome. Like, I, a lot of people are really excited about that, myself included, because Universe is a an incredible player, like the kind that Evil Geniuses desperately needed. Just very and consistent. His, and, and, like, makes big plays and does not make really bad mistakes the way that Owie does. Like, Owie, who is re-recruited... To fill the hole that that Universe and Arteezy left. Anyway, uh, so they're kicking Owie again. This is the second time they've let Owie go in nine months. Wow. Um, and uh, so Universe, like, and not only that, Universe is also, like, seems like the nicest fucking dude on the planet, <laughs> uh, by all accounts. And a lot of these guys are not. They are pieces of shit. <laughs> they're young dudes who are making a decent amount of money like surrounded by other young dudes and uh, they're just total pieces of shit except for fear except for fear fear is like 27 or yeah something? i think he's 27 now he's old man fear he's 27 <laughs> oh my god he's so old but, but they he's call also they, they like, call him old man dota <laughs> they, they do call him old, or old man fear but like that matters because at ti fear uh played was he support or was he a carry I think he was uh, he was he was a carry at the and then yes. afterwards he moved to support he was because position four yeah because he has like elbow and wrist problems mm-hmm. because he's so old mm-hmm. um yeah so man anyway, the so, the half life on that shit isn't very long yeah. so yeah so universe going back to eg is exciting um, secret took Bulba yeah which is one of the people that eg replaced. <laughs> people who left them for secret with uh, last time so i think the lineup now is ppd sumail fear uh universe zai is a maybe since his other his team is falling apart and sumail well. sounds like a maybe too i i don't know there's like a lot of weird dota drama going on and now that like people have thrown out the trading window stuff uh and started to, to switch up all bets are off mm-hmm. like the trading deadlines were supposed to stabilize the scene and EG and Secret doing the shit today has ma- put everything into question. Because there are lots of teams that won't get invited to qualifiers, like that will have to play through the open stuff. So, like, fuck it. Why don't people just try to make their own new teams again? Mm-hmm. Which all this trading deadline was supposed to stop from happening. Um, well, so yeah, so just don't invite them. They violated the rules. Right. And so there's a lot of conversation about whether or not evil geniuses in particular will be invited to TI six. Sounds to me like it's pretty clear cut that they shouldn't be invited, but they are also the champions. So, and the champions of TI have never not been invited. Yeah. But even when they were bad, like newbie last year, which was the TI four champion sucked. And they were invited to the main event. They got to skip everything. Yeah. But it's not like they didn't know the rules. Well, the rules are new. Like, it just started in the last year. Right. After TI last year. Yeah, but I mean, like, rules have to start at some point. And if they all know the rules, and they did it anyway... I mean, I think they're just confident enough that with that group of people that they can make it through the open qualifiers. Uh, More confident than they were with the team that they had. Yeah. Also, I I don't think Valve has said anything at this point, but a lot of it is, like, going off the rules that 
they establish this is what's going to happen. And this is what happens when, like, again, Valve has the lightest touch on a lot of these things. Of any esports, like, yeah. sort of steward. And uh, that this is the problem with that. Yeah. Like, you, you, you don't have the league czar or, like, uh, Nick Allen, who's now at Twitch doing esports stuff, but was at Riot, uh, like last year he mm. would he was the guy who would be like hey here here's how it works and when these things happen here's like we here's the breakdown of like what rules they broke and the fines and everything that go along with the, breaking the rules and it's like can we can we can we have that person please like we need we you need the you need a commissioner to, to, to tell you like here's the rules here's how, how we're enforcing them. so our dota today has been very funny yeah and very <laughs> mimi spastic um, <laughs> So yeah, Dota drama. But yeah, yep. the Manila Major has been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chinese teams have been doing extremely well, which is a change of pace. Um, uh, MVP. Other than newbie. Yeah. MVP, who is Korean? Is Korean team. Who, is, who got consistently better over the last three events, three or four and events. And like, had a really good showing at TI5, yeah. actually. Yeah. And they're just fun to watch. And they're like, they do things that are like that seem crazy but like look calculated it's a team that feels young without seeming kind of puppy dumb yeah Mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of like like a lot of the brazilian squads that are like sort of at the top of that scene are extremely aggressive but do a lot of really dumb shit Mm. um and mvp can be aggressive but don't aren't goofy the way that a lot of the brazilian teams are it just it 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 looks like when they do a swap stun, it's instantly on point where they 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 are like they trust each other so immaculately that it's like all right, we swap stun and you're already casting uh, Sunstrike or whatever on right. the spot. Like it, it just it, it happens so quickly that there's no way that they could have verbalized that. There's some magical coordination happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the the Manila Major has been a lot of fun to watch. There's a lot of drama happening as teams get eliminated, mm-hmm. um, which is happening more and more because we're getting towards the main event which yep. or towards the final which is saturday night at like 10 o'clock pacific time crazy um because it's in the philippines there's like a 14 or 15 hour time difference <laughs> right. or something but um it's cool yeah well excited right. to see ti or post middle shakeups and then going into ti season um we got a few letters but i feel like we can probably read those in a couple of weeks because yeah. we've been going for an hour and a half and we've all got <laughs> shit we've got to get done in yeah, advance unfortunately so the, sorry we didn't read your letters yep um but please send your letters to letters at eat-leap-game.com um we would love to read some especially after e3 send your e3 responses to letters at eat-leap-game.com and we'll read them the week after e3 um e3 dreams And uh, you can follow James at James underscore Faulkner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spelled like the author Faulkner. You will find his stuff on IGN. You may not know it. Yeah. Uh, We can pimp stuff after we go around. When's your live stuff start? Uh, IGN's live coverage starts on Sunday. Sunday before the Bethesda. Before Bethesda from 12 or 1230. Uh, And that runs till the end of the night. Actually, that's before before EA, because EA is first, right, right, right. Um, and we are live all like that entire day, and then including Monday, we we start at uh, I think it's eight thirty. That sounds right because the Microsoft doors close at like nine or nine thirty, yep. and then we are live all day. We got demos and uh, 
like a bunch of podcast stuff and special guests and just a ton of stuff. Um, and Tuesday before we are live, starting at very early, I think at nine uh, or no, even eight thirty uh, for the Nintendo thing stream. Crazy, yeah. And then demos the rest of the day after that. Then demos on Wednesday, starting again at ten or actually eleven. Um, so when it goes to so when the press conferences pop up, do you guys just cut away for those while those are mm-hmm. on, and then come back for like reactions and stuff? Yeah, so we have pre and post shows. So yeah. we'll do we'll do predictions, and then we'll have our reactions afterwards and break cool. breaking the stuff down. Uh, Good then, shit, man. And then yeah, when yeah, and, and then start, yeah, starting at one p.m. is you'll pretty much see all the stuff that I'm doing. Uh, nice. I'm, I'm very excited. Our stage is going to be really cool this year. Looking That's it for me. It. Then, I, then um, I sleep forever. You can follow Matt at Talking Orange <laughs> yep. on the Twitters. Yes, you can. Um, and you set out some updates about Outerlands recently. Uh, just the the usual the, the, the usual the, the usual uh, you know like we did we're doing a live stream every month. We're actually getting finally getting some of the backer rewards together. So, you know, keep an eye out for those emails if you backed Outerlands. It's just going to be the digital stuff at first, like the Jim Guthrie and Disaster Peace albums. Corey Schmitz is working on a digital poster for us right now. Nice. Corey does amazing. Um, he does amazing, amazing work. If like you look up logo. Yep. Look up Corey Schmitz online. Uh, he does. He's done incredible stuff all across the video game industry and the movie industry and the music industry. And he's just a, a brilliant designer. Um, so he's going to be doing stuff for us for the next several months, you know, like uh, getting the digital stuff together and then the physical stuff. Um, Adderline's still a long way off, but we want to start at least like drip feeding uh, backer rewards to people. Nice. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at A-E-G-I-E-S. You can read my Mirror's Edge Catalyst review on Polygon.com, which is a website. <laughs> um Probably the article that you're working on. I mean, you'll read stuff from me next week. Lots and lots and lots and lots. Like, I'm writing about Titanfall and Battlefield. Man, they're going to make you work at E3? Yeah, funny how that works. You'd think after this many E3s that I could just not do anything. (laughs) um, So, yeah. uh, We hope you enjoy your weekend and that you have an exciting time watching our various E3s next week. And, uh... Tell Anthony that he's a terrible person for missing the show. Also, <laughs> abandoning us with hearts and like the less than three, less than three. Are the, the new emojis out? Can you come send them cookies? That's his oh, are, are they? I don't know. Cookies. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Thank Love you. Bye. I never promised.